Alrighty, good morning, everybody. Thought I'd give you an extra couple minutes to uh, wander on in, and thanks for coming. I know you had to, you could have used this extra Sunday school hour to catch up on that extra hour of sleep you missed, but uh, now we know who the, who the truly elect are, right? So the ones who are here, no, I'm joking. But um, yeah, Brave in the Snow, all that. Uh, you know, John Crocker was out there double shoveling it. Did, did any of you guys see him double shoveling? He had two in one in each hand. I was like, man, very impressive. I wish one day I could double shovel. Uh, here at church. Okay, we're, uh, this is, I think it's going to be the last in this series on our core value of a culture of evangelism and hospitality. We looked at evangelism for four weeks, and I think we're just going to look at hospitality for this one week today. I don't know if I have anything else to say about it. Uh, if it pops up during the week and I'm inspired, then we'll do one more. If not, we'll jump to the Lord's Supper next week. Um, okay, so let's ask the Lord's blessing as we consider this topic. Heavenly Father, you have so warmly welcomed us, welcomed us not just into the outer courts, but even into that very holy place through Christ where we can come before the throne of grace to find mercy and help. You did not stay aloof and far off from us, but you sacrificed that we might be close to you and be provided for. And we do say it is um, a wonder and an honor to be cared for by such a great king. Lord, would we, would we appreciate how well you've received and cared for us, and would we return the same to others? And we pray this for Jesus' glory. Amen. All right, so we kind of summarized last week an evangelism model that really simply involves inviting people to church, having good conversations, living a holy and helpful life, and being friendly and making friends. We're considering biblical hospitality this morning, and the idea of hospitality, I think, is a really nice bridge concept between this outreach and what is one of our other core values of a one-anothering community. And hospitality bridges this reaching out and this building up from within in such a beautiful way. It's a really great concept. Um, we're, I want to specific, um, consider specifically what I'm going to call biblical hospitality today, or what you might think of as perhaps capital H hospitality. So you might remember in week one, we made a distinction between capital E evangelism, which is the way evangelism is actually treated in scripture as particularly pro- public proclamation, but that there's a lowercase e evangelism, which is more the way we reach out and witness to others. Same thing, there is a capital H hospitality, which is a very specific biblical form. And then uh, we might also consider but not today, um, a sort of lowercase hospitality, which involves um, a more general approach. For a theme text, I want to take Luke 14, verses 12 to 14. And you remember Jesus here, he's interacting with the Pharisees, um, and they're questioning him, and this is what he says to the person who had invited him. He said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet... Do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. I want to use this verse to distinguish um, two types of hospitality to get to what we're really talking about. We're not talking this morning about sort of reciprocal house-to-house friendships. 
uh, your social circle, your family and close friends that you're developing, where you might frequently have each other over to your houses, fellowship, one another. That's wonderful, right? We want to have that one another in community where we're mutually interacting. But we're talking about something different than that. Um, yes, we want to cultivate our social circle, social circle, but our social circles fill up. So um, I don't know if any of you have heard of the uh, Dunbar social networking theory, but this really says that um, we all have different spheres of social circles um, that can only really hold a limited amount of people in them, kind of like Bohr's model of the atom where the rings fill up with a certain amount of electrons. But it says, you, you know, most people can only really sustain up to about five really close friends. Then you might be able to sustain about 15 close-ish friends, 50 far friends, and then about 150 people who are part of your clan, and then maybe 500 people you know in total. And when we're considering hospitality, we're not considering, you know, do I have room in my social circle for one more out of the five, or another three out of the 15? We're all going to fill up our social lives in different ways. Some of you have a very full social life with your families, and you might feel, well, I don't really need to do hospitality because I don't really have much more time to make new friends. I have enough friends. I have enough family. What more do I need? But we're talking about a different sort of relationship and a different sort of ministry than just the ministry of friendship, as valuable and wonderful as it is. I myself, I find I need friends to just be able to have fun with, people just to be able to hang out and enjoy and play games, as it were. Um, but we're not talking about those sorts of reciprocal relationships that Jesus is addressing, right? The kind where you would have them over, they would have you over, kind of friendships between equals. We're talking about something different. When we're talking about practicing hospitality and looking to the scriptural form, we're talking about a, a particular expression of neighbor love, which involves welcoming and caring for outsiders. Welcoming and caring for outsiders. Now, in English, the word hospitality basically has two parts. It consists of the reception and entertainment of guests. Okay, so the two forms. The receiving or welcoming of people, and then once they're in, entertaining, hosting, caring for people. And we can consider both of these concepts as they pop up in the New Testament, this concept of welcome, and then the concept of uh, care and entertainment. And so to do that, we're going to look at um, two words which are used to describe welcome, an example of each, and then the three words which are used to describe hospitality. There's three words in the Greek that are used to talk about this concept of hospitality, and we'll try to flesh out a picture of what this sort of biblical, capital H, hospitality might look like. So, first, a word for welcome is apodekamai, and this means to welcome, to receive, or to embrace. It's used in Acts 21.17, where uh, Paul says, when we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. That is, they welcomed them, provided for their needs. We might use a word like billeted them, right? The traveling speakers are being hosted and provided for at a place where there's not really hotels and stuff. Or Acts 28.30, we're told that Paul, who's under house arrest here, right? He's stuck in this house at the end of Acts. It says he welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And if there was anyone who would have had an excuse to feel like they don't need to be being hospitably welcoming to people to come, it's Paul in house arrest. 
Yet even from house arrest, he is welcoming, receiving people under his roof in order to share with them what God has given him. Welcome. Another one similarly is hupodecami, which is to receive under one's roof as a guest. Okay, so this is a little more specific. And it's used in Luke 10, 38. Uh, remember the famous story of Mar- Mary and Martha. It says, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Right, so this is the initial step in that warm welcome Martha gives to Jesus. And then remember after that, she's cooking and serving and preparing like a host. But uh, we also remember that the person who chose the better portion was Mary, who even though she would have wanted to help care for and entertain Jesus, knew it was much more valuable to sit and heed his word and to hear from him and not waste an opportunity to be with the Lord. She received him, welcomed him. Okay, we have these welcome words which are used of bringing someone into your home, bringing them under your roof and care. And now there's three hospitality words. Um, And what's interesting about the way the words are used here to talk about hospitality is that they often reach a little bit more to an attitude than an action. Uh, They all carry with it a disposition that comes with the action of hospitality, whereas in English, the connotation is more towards just a particular action, not a heart that goes along with it. Okay, So that'll be something we're going to notice. But also, all these words are sort of compounds of a core word, which is the word xenos, uh, with an X, xenos. And you might recognize that word because it's still used today when we say something like xenophobia, right? which is fear of foreigners, basically, or fear of people from another country. And this word xenos is usually translated stranger. Now, the word stranger is not that helpful to us because we kind of think stranger, stranger danger, right? Like kids don't take candy from a stranger. That is a person you don't know. And so we want to see what, what is a perhaps better translation of the word xenos. Um, some might translate it foreigner. Some might translate it immigrant. But it's a little broader than both of these. Uh, so I want to consider three uses of this word to help us know what sort of strangers being talked about in the, in the nature of hospitality. Because these are the people that hospitality always relates to in the Bible. It's these xenoses. Okay? Xenoses. Uh, so, Third th- John 15. He says, Beloved, it's a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers. And he's talking about traveling, sort of missionary evangelists again. Strangers as they are. And they've testified to your love before the church. And you will do them well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they've gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So he says, these traveling preachers, they're strangers to you. You don't know them. They're travelers. And you want to take care of them, because the Gentiles haven't been taking care of them. And then you want to send them on their way with ample provision. So this is referring to a sort of locational stranger, someone from a different place, who's coming into your sphere, your location, and hopefully becomes not strange after a while. But there's a a, a locational foreigner outsider here. But this isn't only locational. Ephesians 2, 12 to 13, talks about this more culturally. It says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise 
having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Jesus Christ, you were who once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens and saints and members of the household of God. So this term strangers being applied to cultural outsiders, namely Gentiles, in relation to Jews. They lived in the same city. They were in the same locations, but religiously, there was an insider-outside dynamic, but also culturally, there was an insider-outside dynamic at play. The Gentiles were cultural and religious outsiders, strangers, but then they've been brought near, been made one body through Christ. And lastly, Matthew 25, that famous passage of the sheep and the goats, where Jesus is saying, the way you're treating the least of these, the poor, the naked, the thirsty, the hungry, um, what you've done for me. He says, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And he concludes, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Here the stranger is used in a group of marginalized people, put alongside those that would be poor, destitute, hungry, thirsty, naked. And often the stranger in scripture represents someone who is poor, right? We might think of refugees, people that have fled with nothing. They need almost all the provision in their life in order to have their basic needs met. And so in these three instances, I think, give us a holistic picture of what the stranger is in Scripture. It's someone from a different location, someone from a different culture or background, or someone who is truly in in a destitute situation from their moving. And that's why I think the best word for us to use that I think encapsulate all of these is the idea of an outsider, a cultural outsider, a locational outsider, an outsider. And that's what hospitality relates to in Scripture specifically, is how we relate to outsiders. And therefore, we have these three words which talk about things like loving outsiders, showing friendliness to outsiders, and entertaining, providing for outsiders. Okay, so we'll consider these in turn. So the first word that actually gets translated hospitality is the word philoxenos. You might recognize philo, it's a a type of love, and it means loving outsiders, loving strangers, loving outsiders. It's used in both the qualifications for elders in 1 Timothy and in Titus 1. It says in 1 Timothy 3, 2, that an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Okay, the word is translated here, hospitable. And notice, it's in this collection of virtue dispositions, because the component here of loving outsiders, it's a heart attitude just as much as it is an action. It's a virtue to have this sort of love that reaches out for outsiders. And don't we want that in people who are called to be shepherds to care? We want them to have a heart of love, especially for people that are outside the in circle, especially people that are outside. Um, It's an unselfish love. It's used also in 1 Peter 4, 8 and 9, where we're told, Above all, keep loving one one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So this is even a disposition that can be within the church. Because what's interesting about churches is they don't just collect people that are homogenous. 
but a great diversity of people. And so even within one membership, one building, there can be those who are outsiders. Just like if imagine then the church is comprised of Jews and Gentiles who are so different from each other in their upbringing, in the things they've been taught to value, in the habits they've acquired, in the people they know, the things they've done. So even within the church, it was so important that they learned to love the outsider because so many were outsiders to one another. And so it is often with us. And that's part of the beauty of the church, is that it naturally draws people that are so unlike one another. And so how much do we want to have this heart of outsider love, where we can all include one another? The second word is similar. It's philoxena, or philoxenia, which means more friendliness shown to outsiders, or warmth shown to outsiders. So... um, the, dic- the Greek dictionary would talk about it as a readiness to share hospitality by entertaining in one's home. So Romans 12 tells us to rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. So notice in the same sentence, contributing to the needs of the saints and seeking to show hospitality are together. It's because in this biblical idea, hospitality is um, is quite a need-meeting ministry. It's not a uh, superfluous, that would be nice ministry, but it's saints have needs, and part of meeting their needs, right hand in hand with that, is showing hospitality. And particularly for these travelers, um, even as we've been looking at the book of James, right, uh, most of the Christians to whom James is writing were refugees fleeing persecution in Jerusalem. And so they really needed to be welcomed and provided for hospitably. Wherever Paul's going, when Jesus was traveling, people needed to receive them because they didn't have a nice hospitality industry with motels and hotels and fast food where you can just easily take care of yourself. They needed to provide for one another. Similarly, in Hebrews 13, to 2, it says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And so that's an illusion. Remember that story of Abraham where three travelers come their way, passing through. He doesn't know them from Adam, literally from Adam. And they come and he, he kills a young goat. He puts on a feast for these people he doesn't even know. And they turn out to be angels. So there, that gives us another, here's an example of what this sort of biblical hospitality looks like. Receiving these outsiders, these foreigners, and providing really well for them giving them a great feast, really good care, washing their feet. That's what Abraham did. Third word is xenodokeo, which means to entertain strangers or outsiders, or host outsiders. And this is used of the widows in 1 Timothy 5.9, where it talks about um, enrolling widows on a list for the church to care for. And the qualities of these sorts of women the church wants to care for are those who are not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband, and having a reputation for good works. Okay, here's the good works. If she's brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. The connections here are really neat. It talks about her bringing up children. So we imagine her in the home caring for her kids, showing hospitality, so having this entertaining mind for outsiders, which naturally leads into the next sorts of ideas, washing the feet of the saints, right? If you have a traveler, you're welcoming them into your home at that time, 
one of the first acts of service you do is washing their dusty, dirty, sandaled feet. Washing the feet of the saints, caring for the afflicted. What better way for them to practice this affliction care than in their homes? And devoting herself to every good work. So again, hospitality is in this context of a need-meeting ministry. And so if I was to give a biblical definition of um, what biblical capital H hospitality is, it's warmly welcoming and lovingly caring for outsiders, both practically and relationally. So four components, a warm welcome, loving care, and it's both practical and relational. And the, the phrase that really um, stuck out in my mind as I was thinking about this this week is what is a, just a simple way for me to think about hospitality is really that hospitality is to receive someone under the umbrella of your care. Hospitality is to receive someone under the umbrella of your care. This idea of, come on in, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to house you. I'm going to watch out for you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to incorporate you. I'm going to involve you. Uh, Just as, you know, if it was raining and you had an umbrella, someone's outside in the rain, you welcome them under the umbrella of your care that they might be provided for with the provision you already have for yourself. And what it does is it brings them closer to you. It might be a bit awkward. It might be a bit inconvenient, but it's your needs that are met being able to meet the needs of others and welcoming them under the umbrella of your care. And just as a lot of these words related to welcoming someone under your roof physically, like a traveler, this word also has this metaphorical idea that you're welcoming someone under the roof of your life, welcoming them not just into your house, but into really that homeness, welcoming them into the family. The practical and relational side um, sometimes are separated, but very often go together. And, And in this, Hospitality is an act of service. It's an act of meeting needs, which means it's primarily others-oriented. It's giving as you've received, as Jesus said. And the benefits of being an insider is that you're established. You have networks. You have connections. You're more likely to be stable, provided for, um, yeah, and established with support systems. And if you have that, that means you can bring someone into that. You can help establish them, help connect them, help root them, help see that they're becoming more and more to be on the inside instead of standing on the outside looking in. And so if we want to practice this sort of biblical hospitality, what's going to be needed for us? What qualities and things do we need to cultivate? Well, first, we need to have eyes to see and a heart to care. So we need to be on the lookout for who is on the outside looking in. Who's unconnected? Who is having a hard time finding their place? Um, We might do this in three categories, right? Consider who's sort of on the outside of us locationally. Um, Perhaps recent immigrants or refugees that have moved here. Students that have moved here for college or seminary. Uh, Migrant workers at those times of year. People that are coming without connections, needing to be looked out for, connected in. Keeping your eyes open for people who are outside, um, on the outside demographically. That is, people who might not be in their normal group and so often end up on the outside looking in. I'm thinking particularly of older singles, um, older young adults, divorcees, widows and widowers, who find themselves that they would like to be on that sort of 
because the, the majority is the sort of marriage family group. And to be kind of on the outside of that does leave you feeling like an outsider. So people that are on the outsider um, demographically, or even considering those who are on the outside socially, those who are very introverted, those who are awkward, those who can be difficult or even abrasive, these people often get pushed to the outside socially, and they just as much need to receive that hospitable welcome to the inside. So people, location, demographics, social, be having our eyes and our hearts open to where these people are all around us. That's what we first need. Second, what we need then is a commitment of care. Hospitality is not a one-time, get this off my chest, alleviate my guilt, have the outsider over once. That's not hospitality. Uh, It's a commitment to care, to actually bring that person into your umbrella of care, that they might stay there, not just uh, pop in and push them right back out. But it's, it's a truly committed act. And people don't need a pity invite. They need a family. They need someone to welcome them in and care for them. And then the third thing you need is consistent care. This is the most important thing. People know when they're just being talked to just because or welcomed um, haphazardly or half-heartedly. To know that you're looking out for them, that you consistently are going to talk to them, consistently care for them, consistently meet their needs, whether that's um, consistently bringing them into family holidays, welcoming them into the sphere of your life, uh, being consistent in connection. Consistent care is um, essential to this sort of biblical hospitality that we want to show. Receiving someone under the umbrella of your care, warmly welcoming lovingly caring for outsiders, both practically and relationally. Now, with the um, time that we have left, I was just really, as I was thinking about this, I was just reflecting on my life of how many really great examples of this sort of hospitality I've both experienced and seen. And so just really by way of inspiration, I just wanted to share maybe like 10 or a dozen of just examples I've seen of this sort of hospitality in action. And I hope that some of these examples might inspire and encourage you. Sound good? I'm not, I'm not seeing any nods or anything, so I'm just going to assume. Sounds good. So I, I think of my own life. When I, um, four years ago, I drove across the country to a country I didn't know, to a place I had never been in my whole life. I drove in to my downtown Grand Rapids apartment at about midnight on a Friday in the middle of winter with two feet of snow, minus 17 outside, and I had no idea what I was doing. I was single, I, um, and very quickly I knew I would have been pretty lonely, and I was going to struggle. However, the very first Sunday I showed up at a church, the pastor invited me over for lunch, and I connected with a family named the McDonald's, which just happened to be uh, Julie's brother-in-law's family, her sister, and there are then four kids. And they decided to show hospitality to me. They gave me an open invite every Sunday afternoon and Sunday evening after both services. I was always welcome to their house. And I took them up on that because I missed my family. And I became friends with their kids. We had fun playing together. We talked till midnight every Sunday night, um, spending time, which turned into them inviting me to family gatherings, to their youngest son's first birthday, 
uh, places where I would then meet Julie, their sister, who was also getting invited over as a single to whom they were showing hospitality. And it meant so much to me how they welcomed me to be part of their family, not just to be nice to me at church, but I felt like I have a family here in Grand Rapids. I now have help in this area. Um, I can ask Laura where I should go to buy food and groceries. I've never heard of a Meyer or Aldi before. I'm used to the great Canadian superstore. And they showed hospitality to me. And they also were committed to showing hospitality to all the young adults in their church who did also have a standing invite to their house after every Sunday service, an open invite to stay as late as they wanted. A beautiful example of hospitality to an outsider like me, who's now become an immigrant and married an insider. I think of my Auntie Gwen. She's not actually a relative, but she was my grandma's best friend since grade five. When she was in her 20s, her marriage fell apart, and she really had no family in the area. But my grandparents adopted her as part of the family. And so for the last 50 years, she's been at every single family gathering, every single family event. And even though she's not my dad or mom's friend, they still invite her over very often when we're having family gatherings. Because Auntie Gwen is a part of our family now, because she doesn't have a family of her own. I think about growing up, our neighbor, I don't even know her name, we called her Toots. That was what she wanted to be called. I don't know how she got that nickname, but her name was Toots, and she lived four doors down, and she had a dog, Honey. And I remember my mom frequently bringing us over to visit Toots and Honey, to go on walks with them, and to care for her, because her daughter was estranged for her. She didn't have a family. Showing hospitality to Toots. Um, I think of even uh, my wife's family growing up. They had an adopted Uncle Craig, a man who never married. He was in his 50s or 60s, and um, he had no family of his own. He was estranged from all his relatives, and he was adopted as their Uncle Craig at all their family gatherings. He thought of Julie and her sisters as his own daughters. Um, if he hadn't have died suddenly, he was going to actually write them into his will to inherit all that he had. They showed hospitality to Craig Shoemaker. I think of Evan. Evan was homeless, and uh, he was just really down on his luck. And my uncle Carrie told Evan he could come live with him. He could come live in their basement. And Evan, with that stability, was able to put his life back together. Is now married with kids and uh, is still on the same volleyball team as my uncle Carrie, who decided to show hospitality to Evan. Um, I think of the many people I've seen who've welcomed homestay students back in Vancouver. I think of when my parents decided to bring in this little boy, Brian, to come live with us, and how my little brother, even though he was an intruder in his life, my little brother showed hospitality to Brian by becoming best friends. He was always saying, Brian, come on, let's do this. Brian, come on, let's do this. Showing this welcome to this Korean outsider who struggled with his English, who was unconnected with anybody. I think of Ken and Odette Simon in the church I grew up, who, when Jessica Bodner um, had a child and was a single mom and didn't have much support, they asked her if they could play a role like adopted grandparents in her life. They said, you can say no, but we really feel like we would love to be there for you as much as you want, that you would have the same sort of access for asking us to babysit um, as you would with your own parents. And they got engrafted into her life. They showed hospitality to Jessica. And they were grandparents to that girl. Welcomed them in. Provided for her and her needs. They showed hospitality. I think of when Guillermo and Patricia Avila 
moved to, to Maple Ridge, the town I grew up in, from Mexico. No connections, reestablishing their careers where they had to take huge demotions to move countries. I think of their kids, William and, um, oh man, forget her name. William and the one my sister was friends with. I forgot about the little kids. But uh, the Avalas moved up and my parents decided that they would make it their job to make them feel welcome, to invite them over frequently for dinners. And I always think of, when I think of hospitality, I think of how my dad interacts with people who stumble and struggle to speak English. Instead of getting frustrated or scared that's going to be awkward, he's intentional and he speaks uh, slowly with very clear diction to make himself more understandable. And he's so interested in their culture and their language and their lives that outsiders love my dad because he is so interested in them. And he shows them that welcome by just being excited to learn about them and to hear about them and goes so well to make the Avalas feel welcome. I think of even this then passing down to my younger brother, Corey, who when Freddie came to our church as a migrant worker, Corey adopted Freddie into his life. And I remember him always driving to pick up Freddie for events, to take him to youth group. I specifically remember, you know, Corey giving Freddie a haircut in the bathroom. And it was a terrible haircut. <laughs> it was just a really bad haircut. But Corey wanted to care for Freddie. And he always had this mind to be looking out for who in our youth group is being not talked to. When Jeremy Gourlay was a social outsider and no one in the youth group liked him, no one wanted to talk to him because he was awkward, he would say dumb things, he was brash, he was overcompensating for his insecurity, and my brother decided that he would be the friend to Jeremy. He would be the one who would always go and talk to him, look out for him, show him hospitality. I think of times where I've been traveling, been on missions trips, and the hospitality shown to us in this sort of billeting, traveling context. I think of when me and my friends were traveling around, playing music, and every, every night you're at a different venue, and you're being hosted by a different family. You realize who truly is a good host and a not good host. And just that feeling when you're traveling away from home, you're tired, and then someone's just welcomed you in, and they've provided so well, they've thought of everything, they've told you um, how the weird knob on the shower works, They've got a fresh towel. They, they're flexible with the food. They're just caring and showing that warmth and welcome to someone who's traveling. I think of Dave and Sherry DeQuant up in the Arctic, right at the tippity-top of Canada, welcoming in our missions team into their small home, welcoming in a dozen or more people in, and even though they were so worked hard, tired, yet still taking the time to individually connect with each person on the team. Their kids welcoming these missions teams that I'm sure it was upsetting to their normal life, always bringing in these groups of mission kids, but yet the kids um, joining in and showing warmth and um, taking everyone snowmobiling, showing them the fun around town, the whole family engaged together in welcoming these people in a foreign, very cold Arctic climate, and yet investing in each one, um, choosing as they would interrupt you to speak words of life over you to encourage you to follow the Lord's calling on your life and to just be excited for you, caring not just practically but also relationally. I think of also um, when I was on a missions trip to Ukraine uh, in, in the Crimean Peninsula, only really about three years before Russia annexed the peninsula. But we were there. We were in a very small, poor village, no internet, uh, not many amenities, 
and we were being billeted and hosted uh, by these old babushkas. That's the Ukrainian word for a grandma, a babushka. And our babushkas didn't speak any English. And I just remember our old babushka with her hunch and slow moving, working in the garden. She had no idea what time we'd be coming or going. She couldn't understand our schedule. But we would, at some random point in the day, show up in our van. She would look up from the garden and hurry on into the kitchen to start fixing us something. She would be offering us a chai, chai, which was uh, tea. And uh, I just remember us trying to figure out, uh, someone trying to ask for ketchup, trying to get that communicated, and her just serving the chicken, and just all, us all laughing together. Her trying to care for us when she didn't even know what we needed. But this old woman in this tiny village caring for these uh, rich Canadian kids coming, doing missions work, she was showing us hospitality. And hospitality can take all these sorts of different forms. It might take all sorts of different needs being met. But the question is, are we seeking in the Lord by the Spirit to cultivate that heart that loves to care for outsiders, that loves to welcome people into the umbrella of our care to make them a part of our family, to bring them in to be a part of our life. This ministry is amazing. And I think that this ministry is one of the most evangelistically even important. It's often outsiders that they might not believe our doctrine, they might come from a different culture, but if they're loved and welcomed into the family of our lives and community, they'll stick around, maybe hearing the gospel once or twice, and maybe becoming themselves partakers of this community where we've received such a warm welcome from Christ. Capital H, hospitality. Uh, we have time for maybe one question, one or two questions or comments, if you feel so led. Already, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the body of Christ, your hands and feet all over the world, the ones who've been showing love for generations, the people who have welcomed outsiders since the church began. Lord, we pray that you will give us that outward-looking focus, that we would not be so committed on our own enjoyment and our own um, cultivation of our own social spheres that we'll forget how much we have to give, how much we have to welcome people, how much we have to share. And would you grant us that commitment of consistent care, that we would be looking for outsiders whom we can welcome and bring into the umbrella of our care. Give us that love in our hearts, that warmth, that courage to reach out beyond ourselves, to be stretched in your service. Lord, that you would bring about the right opportunities and give us the courage to walk into them. Lord, and even though we fail in many ways in this, Lord, we thank you that you still welcome us in Christ. You forgive us for all our sins, and we pray for spiritual strength to walk this walk um, as we desire to do so. Lord, would you bless us, bless us this very day in your worship, in your service, and prepare us for the week to come. In Jesus' name, amen.